welcome to the Thriving Broad podcast and episode 58. I'm Louise Wiles, your host for these conversations, an expat change and transition coach. Thank you so much for joining me today. So the Thriving Broad Together podcast series is now over. You can go to the Thriving Broad website if you'd like to learn more about the series and catch up. There's a Thriving Abroad Together website page and all of the 21 episodes are there with links to the blog post associated and the audio recording. Remember also that you can sign up for the podcast newsletter so that I can keep in touch and let you know of all the great things going on on the Thriving Broad podcast. And when you do, you'll receive a free gift from me, access to the four playbooks I've created that are associated with the Thriving Abroad Together series, including all the show notes and links. So go and sign up now and we can keep in touch. Now today I'm excited to welcome Dr Bonnie Wims to the conversation. A counselling psychologist, an expat, a repat, you're going to hear more about her background and story in a moment. Now we recorded this conversation back in May, just before the death of George Floyd and the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement. As a result, our conversation focuses on the challenges related to the COVID-19 pandemic only. And as we spoke, we were kind of looking forward. We were talking about how we can make sense of where we are and how we can be more proactive in managing our reactions to a situation that at headline level is so beyond our individual control. How do we manage our expectations without them turning into worry fests? And how do we cope with a greater sense of vulnerability in many areas of our lives? And how can we take steps to be creative in how we live our day-to-days, seizing new opportunities and being okay with the fact that sometimes it is hard, hard work, that there is struggle involved in moving forward. I really hope that you find the conversation interesting and enjoyable. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Broad podcast and hi to Bonnie. Bonnie, hello, lovely to have you joining the conversation today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great that you're here today, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, to start, though, how about you just tell us a little bit about you um, and how you come to be where you are and, and professionally doing what you do, and then how this is all playing out for you at the moment. And for those listening, this is COVID-19 because we're recording this at the beginning of May 2020. Yeah, um, so I'm uh, in New York in... Um and I moved here in October, so excellent timing on my part. Um, <laughs> I am, um, I'm a counseling psychologist, and I was actually trained in London, although I now live um, back in the States. But um, during the time that my family and I lived in the UK, I uh, attended school and was trained and um, began my uh, private practice while I lived in London. And then we moved back to the States, Boston, and now New York. Um, as a result of the move and a lot of uh, different factors in my life, I began working online with clients um, originally back in like 2012. So I've been doing it now, shockingly, about eight years, which I absolutely <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I think um, obviously technology is getting better and better. Back then, I think it was just Skype. I can't really remember anything else mm. being around. But um, um, I, I love it because I just feel like I can 
bring therapy and um, resources to people that maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, access it because it's online. It's much more flexible with appointments. And I actually feel um, contrary to popular belief. I think it's quite um, an intimate process because we're both in our homes and I, I just feel like people might feel a little bit more comfortable. But anyway, that's my private practice, which I am well suited, unfortunately, or fortunately for what's going on right now. Um, It's kind of business as usual for me as far as working with people online. But um, yeah, New York is obviously, if you've uh, listened to any news, I think it's um, typically quite um, uh, prominent in the news because of the amount of cases and how hard the city has been hit. I'm in Manhattan. Um, I think in New York State, it's a bit different, but in Manhattan proper, it's definitely had a, a pretty difficult time. But it's interesting. I think like any of us, um, my world is quite small right now, other than um, getting chances to talk to all of you in different places uh-huh. in the world. But I look out my window on First Avenue and uh, my view is um, consistently every day of quite a quiet city um, with a lot of... Um, just a, a real it's got the feeling of a holiday sort of mm-hmm. without the pleasant you know sense of the holiday just it's very empty and quiet not a lot of horns not a lot of traffic not a lot of people um mm-hmm. so that's gotten that was strange really strange I've actually kind of gotten used to it so that when it does come back it might be strange then to have all the traffic again but yeah, so things are okay here. It's definitely getting better, thankfully. Um, so, um, but yeah, we're still we're still all kind of hunkered down. Yeah, yeah, I totally get the kind of living in your small locality and it feeling like something of a holiday in terms of the quietness, but then without the freedom to go and do what you would normally want to do. So that's the challenge, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that exactly. quite, yeah, and that quite neatly links me into the first question I wanted to ask you and the thing I wanted to talk about was that you know for many of us so people listening as well you know worlds and lives have stopped as social distancing or physical distancing as I prefer to call it came into place and it strikes me that we're kind of a bit in between worlds you know the the old pre-covid world and the new which is yet to be defined we can't be sure how this is all going to play out I'm just wondering if that strikes a chord with you, number one. And then number two, if people are feeling that they're kind of in this limbo land, what's your advice for them? Yeah, um, it's such a good question and something I've actually been talking with a lot of people about. um, Mm. That sense of limbo. I was actually, I looked up uh, limbo videos the other day just because I had the time. Um, and so that word is definitely in my mind and in, and working with people and just talking with friends and, and my own process, I think I realized um, there was definitely a sort of a waiting as if we were all sort of just waiting. Um, and within that waiting was a lot of anxiety and fear because uh, you know, COVID-19 is terrifying to what we see on the news and, um, if we know anybody who's been ill or, or um, been um, affected by it. So I think there was a real sense of sort of stop and let's just wait. And mm-hmm. as time went on, 
that waiting um, started to impact uh, the way I understand, the way people explained it to me and the way I think I, I had it manifest within me too, was then, um, you know, other things kind of were all put sort of on hold and we were waiting uh, for everything before we would begin. And with that, mm. you know, life doesn't wait. <laughs> things go on. You know, unfortunately, mm. people are living their lives. Um, some, you know, tragedy are happening. Some happiness is happening. We've all seen videos of people getting married on rooftops or in the middle of the street or uh, via video. And um, I myself had a Zoom uh, remote university graduation for my son who's in California. Um, so all of those things were started, real life was starting to sort of bump up against us, I feel like, and saying, hey, we're not willing to wait anymore. Mm. And there was this moment, I think, um, for some of us, I think, that where you say, what advice do I have for people? I think you have to be creative and sort of start to engage in your life again. Mm. It's not mm. going to look like what it did before. It may never and I think there's um, sadness in that and, and fear in that and a lot of anxiety around the future. But the only way we can manage is what we do today. And I think, you know, in truth, when we worry about um, what's going to happen tomorrow or how is the future going to look, you know, how are we ever going to get our grays covered again, or, you know, uh, that's a funny little example. I know things are much more serious than that, but just, you know, in little things that we have in our lives that we want to move forward and continue on with, um, it's going to look different now. And I think being willing to step into that unknown and engage in activities in a new way um, is actually uh, the most we can do and the best we can um manifest within ourselves a sense of control, a sense of managing, is to engage with the world as it is right now. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We have no idea how it's going to really settle in. And every day is like a, a waiting to see how long things may be extended or what might be uh, announced. And I think there's a real detached feeling of not, you know, I'm like, I'm not living my life. And mm -hmm. so uh, engaging in it in small ways to the best way that you know how. I think it's really helpful. It is bittersweet. And there are times that, you know, even as you're doing it, I think you can feel, um, you know, sadness around it or, or, or disappointment that it doesn't look the way it might have. Mm -hmm. um, you were mentioning the bank holiday, you know, just the things that traditionally in your mind, what would you be doing? And the urge to really want to be doing that. Yeah. And then just acknowledging that, you know, it's not like that right now and it's okay. And we can manage by in, by being creative, I think, mm. and trying to step into the world as it is today, mm. not waiting for it to change, but just as it is today. So just taking it as it comes in that sense. It's interesting. It makes me think of something my daughter, my younger daughter said to me the other day, she was having trouble sleeping and she said, the problem is I don't have anything in my mind. Normally I would have things I was looking forward to. And I, when I go to sleep, I think about those things so mm. I'd be thinking about the next hockey match, you that's hockey, or the next thing we're doing at school, or something social I'm doing with my friends, but none of that's yeah. happening. And, and even we don't have a holiday book, you know, and normally we have a holiday, there's something going to happen in a month or two yeah. months time. And actually, there's nothing in that sense. Um, she doesn't even know where the school will start. So she said, it's really difficult to know mm. what to actually think about. So I thought that was quite profound, actually. 
I think it is too, actually. I think I love the fact that she's in touch with why she's feeling a bit of that disconnect, mm. you know, that's, mm. that's really um, very wise of her. Um, Cause it's true. You know, yeah. that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And I could absolutely relate to that myself because I, I notice when I'm trying to go to sleep at night, there is that. And there's this pull of my mind to think about what I've read or listened to on the news all the time, you know, just because that's mm-hmm. what's active in my brain. And, and, and so, yeah, it does present a bit of a challenge in that sense, for sure. And, yeah. you know, I think part of the anxiety that we may feel about what's coming, what's new, um, perhaps is because of expats, repats, um, so people who've repatriated home, anyone who's lived abroad, really. We know that we can never fully go back um, you know, so that's something I learned when we moved home and we moved back to a house that we'd owned for all the time we'd been abroad. So in a way we were coming back, but in many ways we didn't come back because so much of what has you know, surrounds us had moved on and friendships and all of that. And I think because we know that as expats and repats, we perhaps can feel more scary and sad about it than perhaps other people. Um, and I don't know, is there a way that we can reframe this in a more positive way? Yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think uh, in my work with expats and obviously your work with expats, we, um, we talk about this a lot, you know, minus COVID-19, just in general, this sense of uh, where's home and what is our, um, you know, place that we feel and can call, uh, you know, our sort of... Um, place to settle and be ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think expats and repats, uh, having gone through both myself, knowing that, yes, it changes, people change, you change. And um, shockingly, um, you are confronted with a lot of, I was definitely very surprised and confronted by a lot of sadness when I moved back because I anticipated um, feeling like, oh, okay, I'm back, like that feeling mm. of familiar. Mm. And it wasn't there at all. And not only was it not there for me, it wasn't there for the people that I had left, you know, friends and colleagues Mm. sort of looked at me like I'd been on the moon and they couldn't really relate to me. Mm. Um, So a lot of sadness in that, a lot of, and then the real confrontation of who am I now and where do I fit? Because um, I left and now I've come back or or even being in another country as an expat, I think there's just a, a consistent sense of, not always knowing where you fit in. Mm. Um, so I, I, I work with people a lot on that, like I said, minus a pandemic um, around reinvention, you know, mm. and once again, it's sort of like what we talked about in the first question. It's about um, embracing what is and, um, you know, being sad about what you've lost, grieving a change is understandable in a process that we must go through, Mm. but eventually embracing what is right now and, and allowing ourselves to be reinvented in that process can actually be fascinating. Um, I honestly think I've kind of reinvented myself several times now, Mm. Um, you know, within the core of me, I suppose, but you probably know this too, through Mm. your work is, is there's, it's, different areas and different situations call on different things. And I think you have to sort of um, uh, kind of dig deep within to try to come up with the strength to challenge yourself in new environments and new situations so that you can attempt to, um, you know, 
find that connection. And sometimes it's really, really hard depending on where you move and how you're moving and that sort of thing. So I do think reframing it to look at it as more of an opportunity. (laughs) And I laugh when I say that because all of my clients say that I say that all the time and they laugh. I know, Bonnie, it's an opportunity. (laughs) Um, But it really is the trying to reframe it in my mind for myself and for others that say Mm. this, what is the opportunity in this for me? What can I do and how can I um, grow within this to learn new things about myself? And um, so I think you'll probably find this with a lot of um, people who've moved a lot of different places and the global uh, nomads that travel more than I do. I think they're really good at that. You know, they, they kind of start, they look at the world through an, through an opportunity lens and what is this that I can do? Um, what can I, what can I be involved with what opportunities are here what's here for me that's new and different that I can uh, adapt to and I think change is hard but um, stepping into it is uh, I think it takes your mind away from you know regret or worry or sadness about the past and then away from anxiety about the future you're just standing in the present moment and doing what you can with the moment yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of things come to mind as you talk about that. I suppose one of the things is that, you know, I guess we all are drawn by our negativity bias generally Mm. in situations that are challenging. Um, And so it does take quite a lot to to positively engage, I think, in change, doesn't it? Because our innate reaction is, is to be is to look for the the challenges to look for the threats <laughs> in that situation yeah. and we're you know innately we we do that so we then need to be aware that that's what we're doing i think it's kind right. of almost a conscious process isn't it oh yeah you're looking yes. for threat. right let's flip it and say well if that's a threat then you know is there something more positive to be seen here as well um yeah yeah and, and, what, and you know it's not it's not always positive you know sometimes it's just hard um but still looking for the opportunities within that. You know, I think um, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses. It's just not. And um, I think there are times where um, the sadness or the fear or the isolating feelings of loneliness, all of those things that can come along with this um, when you move somewhere and you're new and you don't quite know how you fit in and you're missing Mm. all the cues that tell you who you are all of that can be so hard so it's it's not always positive but I think um, looking as it looking at it as a way in which to engage with uh, yourself in a new way and challenge yourself which is hard too <laughs> you know it's hard too but um, well worth the effort I think from my own personal experience and working with clients um, that little shift can change the way you start to view opportunities you know to go have a coffee with somebody new or engage with somebody or join a group a club or you know get on a zoom call just that subtle shift to say i'm going to try to engage instead of um you know isolate makes all the difference or it did for me for sure yeah so that we're talking about the, the the need for connection and i suppose that's the one of the things that has struck me about the use of this social distancing terminology because really you know, what we're looking for is physical distancing and then social connection. It's so important, isn't it, that we continue to relate with people because that's so important for our well-being. Um, yeah. So, yeah, underlining <laughs> the value of connection and finding it where you can. Um, 
I suppose one of the things that has struck me when thinking about the current situation and, you know, and, and relating it and, and thinking about expats and thinking about the resourcefulness of expats because they've managed their way through change and transition. They know that process. They know what it like, it's like to be somewhere new and having to forge a new future, you know, almost yeah. from um, yeah. a blank sheet of paper. But one of the things I guess we all have when we make that transition and change is that we do have some expectations about how it might play out for us. We, and so you know, when I'm talking to clients, it's, I'm talking about managing those expectations, trying to be mm. realistic in terms of those expectations. I think the challenge certainly I feel at the moment is I'm not sure what those expectations should be now. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think when you've lived one of the things that upsets me but also challenges me um sort of at, at, at another level is is you know as expats and and being used to international travel one of the positives that people are talking about that's going to come out of this is that we're going to rethink the way we you know, engage and travel around the world and that mm. actually creates in me quite a sense of fear because that's how i've created my life in a way you know I rely as so many people who are nomads and travel around the world you know a fundamental basis of that is that we can get on a plane and do what we want to do and so for me there's a link there you know about expectations you know I can't expect it to be the same and what impact will that have on me and the way in which we live our lives which is quite dependent on travel for a number of reasons so yeah. I don't know whether that, so that links back to this whole expectations. And so then I, I struggle to think, well, how do I set expectations about how things might play out um, for the future? Mm. I, I love that, um, you know, what you said earlier about the, the way you work with people and the setting the expectations, because I think I would have had such an easier time if I'd met you <laughs> when I moved to <laughs> London, because I, I had expectations. We always have expectations. If we say we don't, I think we're, we're not being honest with ourselves. We always have expectations. Mm -hmm. That's part of also how we're built because we're looking ahead to make sure that, you know, we're not going to be eaten by a wildebeest. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting in thinking about expectations and managing them and then playing the what if game, you know, the mm -hmm. what if this happens, what if that happens? I think that's where worry turns from being um i used to always say i hated worry that i felt like worry was just useless but i do think there's a form of worry and maybe it's not even worry then where you're you're planning and you're managing your expectations and you're thinking about the future and how you're going to manage it and i think that's absolutely necessary we can't you know we can't just walk around going you know smell the trees i'm in the moment i don't care what tomorrow bring uh, we, we have very real concerns and very real lives that we're living. And uh, if things change as, as we're hearing, um, it could impact all of us greatly in um, all sorts of ways. So I do, I understand that desire to sort of um, try to imagine how it is we'll fit into this um, future that we don't even know, you know, mm. how it's going mm. to look. So I think, you know, I just feel like it, it sits there in the barometer and, and it just easily slides over into the what ifs. And then we just go down the rabbit hole of the worries of what if. And we go, what if this happens? And how will I manage that? What if this happens? And then this happens. And um, it's, it, it just, it's an extreme thing. It goes from extremes, mm -hmm. from, a, from a planning stages into this 
rabbit hole of just um, unproductive worry. So how do we prevent you know, ourselves from doing that? I think that's, that's a very difficult thing to do, but I think it is being very aware of what it is that you're um, thinking about. And with your managing expectations, staying very structured and disciplined um, where you're thinking only about the things that are within the realm of your control, you know, because when you start going outside your control, the airline industry, the, you know, uh, the travel industry, the, it's just, there's nothing you can do at this moment. Well, probably ever really that can manage that. So I, I talk with my clients a lot about looking at the situation, breaking it down into steps. And then in those steps, where's your control? Where can you um, make a difference within uh, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it? And say there's a problem and, you know, you've got the whole problem at like 100%. And within that challenge, you've got 10% control is about what you figure, you know, this isn't like a, a serious math problem, but say you get a sense that you have very little control. So it's about 10%. Within that 10% now, you could be creative. The sky's the limit. You could do whatever you want within that 10%. And that's where you should be focusing your energy. Um, like I said, just being really careful that the what ifs don't spiral into things that you have absolutely no ability to control, nor have you ever had any ability to control. You know, mm -hmm. none of us have ever, unless you're, you know, you own Delta Airlines. I don't think any of us have ever had any control over what the, you know, the airline industry has done prices and seat sizes and you know snacks on the plane all of those things that we complain about so we've never really had any control about it yes there are what ifs that are kind of scary but within that as things start to reveal themselves what can i manage what can i control and where can i pivot and get more in um you know thinking more creatively how i can manage myself within this world mm. Um, and it's not going to be always easy. I don't want to paint that as some, you know, Pollyanna perfect thing, because of course it's not. And it's going to impact some people a lot more than others. But at least looking once again, what is the opportunity within this and how can I manage it to the best of my ability? And really trying to stay away from the what if worries, because I just, I think those just um, feed the anxiety and the fear and they don't help us when we're focused on that, our creativity is stifled and we need our creativity right now. We need to be able to tap into that. And when we're spinning our hamster wheel over here, all of our energy will be zapped, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. totally, totally get that. I kind of, there's one thing that I've, I've been grappling with though, and it, it's, it's this kind of sense that this is a point of change you know and, and a change in so many ways and some really big changes so we're talking about environment but also like I was reading an article today about work and how you know how people work and how people are working from home more now you know and, and how is that going to evolve and how are companies going to accommodate that and if, if they are and how do we stop from going back just to normal when we can and not taking the learning from this experience and so I think on one level, yes, we all want to manage the way in which we're reacting and, 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 and sort of manage it in a manageable way for ourselves. But also, I think we all have something to contribute to these bigger questions because mm -hmm. if we don't all start to make some comments about how we want to see these changes in that enacted and what comes out of this, then I think there's a chance that 
out of this will come nothing and we'll all just revert back and go, oh, thank goodness for that, it's all over and we can you know, just get on with life again. And so all the benefits, you know, I'm not saying that working from home is the best way for for everybody, but for some people it will be better than what was before. And, you know, how, how so using that as an example, you know, how can employees all be involved in the question and how can they influence it? And I think that's a personal question we should probably all be asking ourselves and, and thinking mm. about how, how we go about influencing the changes we want to see, I suppose, as an outcome of this whole experience, um, but in our own small way, because everybody's small little influence will add up to a bigger change and we need that to happen. Otherwise, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So within that, you know, 10% of control, is part of that some activism or is part yeah. of that, you know, getting involved with, um, you know, just calling your, your representatives or writing letters or getting involved with the way that you would like to see things change. Absolutely. And once again, that's an engagement, you know, that's you challenging yourself and getting engaged in the current process, which, which is creative, is empowering, it's forward thinking, all of those things, which then trick your brain and mm. <laughs> stop you from, you know, doing the, the worry what ifs because you engage with the process. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, I totally agree with you. And I guess it, that also gives you a sense of purpose as well, doesn't it? That you are conscious. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. There was another area that struck me as we were talking and that was, and, and I felt this myself, we're vulnerable in a way that I think we probably never before felt that we are vulnerable in that, um, I guess we all like to kid ourselves that we are in control of our lives and we can manage everything. And, and suddenly we haven't been, which means that we've all been reduced to really a similar level in terms of how we're coping with these bigger issues in life. And, you know, watching you know, businesses being run on Zoom and all the stories about you know, execs, suddenly we're seeing them sat at home, Zooming with us. And, and we're seeing that they are just human. So I think this whole question of, of vulnerability has, um, has certainly come to, to my attention. And I guess that can make us feel positive because we see that in other people, but it also can be quite challenging for ourselves. What's your take on it and how can people um, frame it in a more positive way for themselves? Yeah, I think that is such a, uh, such a good word, vulnerable. You know, I, I, and I, and I think Obviously, there's, there's, you know, if you've seen or read any Brene Brown, she's trying to change uh, the, the idea around that word and mm. moving it away from a negative connotation to a positive, that it's actually uh, really good to be vulnerable and that it's a positive thing because within the vulnerability is where we see each other's humanity. Um, but it doesn't... Um, doesn't take away from the fact that vul being vulnerable, feeling vulnerable, uh, the very nature of it is the very core of it. It's it's a hard thing to to feel. You know, you're mm -hmm. I, and I and I feel like I have ebbs and flows of it. Some days I feel it washing over me stronger than others, and I think those days that it it's stronger. Um, yeah, it's really difficult to not feel. Um, just so uncertain about the world, you know, uncertain about my role in it, uncertain about my family, having, I have two sons that are both 
in other states, family scatter all around, mm. um, friends everywhere, right? Um, we, expats do that a lot. We end up with people all over the place talking with them. And there is this, this kind of um, group sense of vulnerability that I think we're all tapping into. Mm. So not only do I have my own for my own reasons and my own personal life, but then I'm tapping into this kind of global sense of vulnerability because mm. we've really um, come to a place where we realize, like you said, we always are, but we realize more than ever how kind of um, fragile life is and, mm. and uh, just this real level of uncertainty around how, what's going to play out and how's it going to play out. So that's, you know, uh, is vulnerability a good thing and should we be running up and hugging it like Brene Brown says or should we be trying to push that away and distract ourselves and get on with it and um, you know do the things we need to do that could be able to control what we can control and I think it's a matter of balance you know I think um, obviously we're going to feel it obviously it's there um, uh, more present than ever a lot of people have more time than they've had before you know time to really get in there real deep with some of their insecurities or vulnerabilities and just kind of wallow in them in a way of uh, just uh, just kind of opening up wide and allowing all of that in and just feeling very, very scared, uh, fearful. I know people who are really legitimately fearful uh, quite consistently. So some practical advice I give people is, you know, tap into and notice what it is that is sparking and triggering those feelings of vulnerability. Uh, for me, very early days, it was the constant 24 hour news cycle. Mm. I really had to scale that back. My impulse immediately when it all started to happen was to just have it on and just because mm. I needed to be informed, you know, yeah. and I think we all kind of felt that. So I had it on all the time. Well, the news cycle is designed to provoke you. That's the whole point. If, if mm. we're not watching them, they don't exist. So, you know, they, they exist with the music and the headlines and that ticker thing that runs underneath <laughs> all of its breaking news, all of its sudden, all of its, you know, the, the, the most extreme situations are being shown. Mm. Um, we have some situations going on here in the States with some protests and there's video and, and photos being shown where it looks like there's this huge massive crowd and then they pan out and it's 30 people and i'm not saying it's not still not you know a big deal or or not uh newsworthy but it's purposely being edited and shown to us in a way that your instinct is to feel like there's a whole you know thousands and thousands of people out there um with guns and and protests and it's not not true and it's um very anxiety provoking to to watch those things and and to feel what's being triggered by that yeah, yeah so anyway i just think really paid attention to the trigger points for your vulnerability don't do things that you know are provoking uh those feelings in a more extreme way mm. they're they're already going to be there we can't do anything about that if we're not feeling vulnerable right now i'm not sure we're paying attention um so it's there, of course it's there. Be kind to yourself, manage it mm -hmm. by uh, being really careful what you do and how you do it and um, staying away from the triggers or managing the triggers. I know for sure, like I said, I, I've really scaled uh, the network news or the television news away 
and I manage how I get the news. I, I read what I read when I can read it. Hmm. Um, and I just definitely don't do it right before bedtime. <laughs> That's something I've known about myself. So looking for the times where you feel the most capable for me, it's first thing in the morning after the second cup of coffee, I can conquer the world. Um, so that's the time where I can manage some news, you know, but not nine o'clock at night when I'm fatigued and I'm tired. And then I start to hear these things and then I feel helpless and then I feel more and more vulnerable. Mm. So Mm-hmm. Just managing it and knowing that you, you know, your reaction to it is going to be very much based on how you feel at that very moment. And uh, like I said, um, just paying attention to when it is you think you can manage it the best. We're not going to change it right now. We just aren't going to. There's nothing we can do to make things certain. Um, but we can certainly manage how we internalize that and our reaction to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think one positive of vulnerability in the state that we are in now and you know, everyone having that level of or sense of vulnerability, their own personal vulnerability is that we we can have more authentic conversations don't mm-hmm. you think yeah yeah i've mm-hmm. seen that definitely um, yeah i'm glad you brought that up because that is absolutely true and touching you know in that brene brown world of vulnerability mm-hmm. um I am attracted to that. I'm sure there's, there's something so wonderful to see the realness of people. You know, mm-hmm. I'm loving seeing some of these acoustic uh, concerts that some of these artists are putting on in their mm-hmm. living rooms, you know, just them and their guitar. Um, just you're seeing a side of people stripped down without all of the prettiness and the, um, you know, uh, all of the stuff that maybe typically would go around what mm-hmm. you would be going to see and and all of us are able to talk and the zoom calls and the catching up with friends. And I just think there is definitely in that vulnerability that when you said it earlier, that desire to connect and that's stronger than ever. And Mm. I've probably heard, I love you, Bonnie, (laughs) more in the last six weeks from people than I, you know, just everybody's, it's just a sense of, I feel vulnerable in this and I want you to know I care. And that's lovely. You know, that's the, that's the best of it for sure. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there are silver linings and positive to positivity to every situation. I think. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Well, I think we're coming to the end of our time, but I just wanted to, so, you know, you talked about some people who just don't, are are really struggling with the worry side of things and are are finding that they're feeling very fearful. Um, And we've talked about ways of coping, so we offer some good strategies there. But for people who are finding that, you know, listening to something like this and, and they still think, I still don't know how to cope with this. What would your suggestion be? Yeah, I think um, I've been asked this quite a bit about, you know, how do I know when I'm not managing well or Mm. how do I know if I'm not, maybe I should seek help or at the very least start reaching out a bit more. And I think the real typical warning signs obviously are um, if your normal day-to-day activities are being um, impacted by your anxiety or your stress, your vulnerabilities, meaning you're not, you know, you're eating too much, you're not eating enough, you're not sleeping, you're sleeping too much, um, you're isolating, you're not connecting, people are reaching out and you're not reciprocating. Um, uh, you know, we all probably have had one, if not more than one days where we've stayed in bed with the book just a little bit longer than we normally would. But if those days are starting to string together, and you're really not feeling like um, 
you uh, have the, the kind of the wherewithal to push out of it. I think that's, those are the signs that, you know, for you to say to yourself, I don't feel well, I don't feel like I'm managing this the best mm -hmm. way possible. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lack of energy in that. There's a real sense of, um, you know, just a low feeling along with the anxiety, I think is it could be really difficult to manage. So at the very least, make sure you talk to someone, you know, reach out to someone and let them know that you're struggling. And then if it persists to the point where it's, it is impacting your daily life, I don't think, um, you know, the stigma of, of mental wellness, which is, I, I just think we all uh, need help sometimes. And mm -hmm. if you need help during pandemic, well, gosh, you know, get in line. I think a lot of us need a little extra support right now. And there's no shame in that. It's uh, actually, I think, um, like your daughter saying, I'm not feeling like I have anything to look forward to. So aware of herself and in that awareness, then you could make changes, you know? Yes. So that's what therapy tries to help people do. Yeah. 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 And I think I love thinking of, of mental wellness as a continuum, just as we think of physical wellness, you know, and we wouldn't not go yes. to the doctors because we broke a leg. Um, but often because we're, you know, everything the, the the stereotypes that are attached to mental ill health we don't seek help when perhaps we do need a little bit of support from a yes. mental well-being yes so yeah exactly well thank you so much for talking to me and us this afternoon it's been a real pleasure um some lovely i loved stuff. it thank you thank you, thank you. Really and so for everyone listening i will put um bonnie's links to her website on the show notes and the blog post that goes with this podcast but bonnie for those who just listen and don't go to the blog post can you just tell them how they can get in touch with you oh sure yeah so my my website is uh, bonnie whims which is b-o-n-n-i-e typical spelling whims w-i-m-s dot com um and you can email me at bonnie at whims and associates dot com Brilliant. Lovely. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. What a wonderful conversation. I really did enjoy that and benefit from that conversation with Dr. Bonnie Wims. Remember, you can download the show notes for this episode from thrivingabroad.com. Just look for episode 58. And also, while you're there, why not sign up to receive the podcast newsletter? I send that out once a fortnight and it's packed full of podcast news and links to show notes and resources related to each podcast interview. I'll be back soon with the next instalment in the Thriving Abroad podcast. Meanwhile, wherever you are in the world, please stay safe and well. Thank you so much for joining me. Bye-bye for now.